You know, Christ is a perfect paradox. He is a man who has enough joy in him to set a whole kingdom laughing. And yet he has enough sorrow in him to set a whole country into weeping. And that says a lot about him. Because what we find is that he enters into our sorrows. And there's enough sorrows in him because he hasn't only entered into our sorrows, but he's gone to the deepest parts of the sorrow. He's gone even where you have yet to go in the sorrow that you have in your life. And here's what we find out in that. That before God brings healing, there are tears. His tears. In fact, there's something about his tears that fall in the wasteland of this life that brings about flourishing because what we find is Christ is the seed of heaven that has fallen into the cracked and dry and desert, dusty wasteland. And there, in the dust, in the dirt, and in the grave, the tears of the Father are shed. And those tears raise him up out of that dusty grave. And that's what Christianity is. The series that we are in is called Playlist, The Road Home. And what we found is that the Israelites, three times a year, would take this pilgrimage away from their current home, up to Jerusalem, the city of God and the city of peace, and then they would travel up to Mount Zion, the Mount of Joy, and there they would worship God. The journey was a movement of faith towards joy, but first through the sorrows. It was towards the promised land, but first through the wilderness. And the same is true for us. We all want joy. We all want gladness. We all want laughter. And the way that we find is that the true joy, the depth of joy, is found as we pass through the desert first. So we're being called to leave our homes here in this world and take a pilgrimage through the wilderness to the place of joy. And we begin finding it now as we leave our homes to travel to our home beyond this home. So let me read to you Psalm 126. A song of ascents. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. And then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. All right, first point. Remembering a land that you have not seen. There is an echo in the past that lives in your heart today. A deep longing that was put there on purpose. And it's a healthy craving for the land that you were made for. Verse 1 and 2. Restore the fortunes of Zion. We were like those who dream, and then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue with shouts of joy. Now, the Hebrew language, what the scholars say is that this could be seen as a past event or a future event. Perhaps it's a bit of both. So it could be read as, when he did, when he restored our fortunes, we were like those whose dreams came true. Or it could be read, 
man, when the Lord restores our fortunes finally, it's going to be like every dream that we had came true and more. Now, this was probably written while God's people were in exile. They were uprooted from their homeland by an enemy. And that enemy drove them from their homes and drove them out into that enemy's homeland and they were forced, they were captives there. And they're probably reading this and writing this thinking, man, we would love to take that pilgrimage again where we could go up to the Mount of Joy and we can finally meet there with God. We would travel through that desert if we could just meet with Him again in that place of Zion. Now, either way, God's people were always meant for a greater Jerusalem, the eternal city of God. And the meaning for us today is clear, that there is a distant land that we're made for, but we aren't there yet. And so we long for a land that we have not seen with our eyes. But though we have not seen this land with our eyes, we still, because of the memory, the distant memory in us, that God has deposited into our souls, we scan the horizon, searching for the home that's beyond this home. And we'll know it when we see it, and we know that we haven't seen it yet. Though there's a glitter of it at times. You know why you love beautiful things? Do you know why you love great songs? Because they're a way for you to peer into what is to come. Beauty is screaming at you that there is a greater beauty that is to come. You love gathering at feasts with your friends and your family, eating great food, and you love it because those are holes in heaven where you get to look into what your future is going to become. In the movie Forrest Gump, there's this strange little boy named Forrest, and he's because of a disability, he's got to wear these braces on his legs, and he's being chased by a bunch of bullies with these braces on his legs, and he's trying like crazy to run, and he begins running faster, and as he does, these these things on his legs become, begin to break off, and he takes off running. He's faster than all the other kids. And for the rest of his life, he's always running everywhere he goes. We like that story because we know that we are like that boy with braces on his legs. We know that we are not running like we ought. We know there's a world we're made for. We are like cripples here, but there will come a day when we run like we're meant to run. And so we're drawn into that story. We are magnets for beauty, and for hope. Because beauty and hope remind us we're made for more. You have longings that nothing in this home here in this earth will satisfy, and that's the only conclusion you can make then is you are made for a greater home. The songs that you sing here eventually will end. But there is an eternal song. The meals you eat here, eventually you become too full, but there is an eternal meal that you will constantly be partaking of with God. Hope comes and goes, but the faith that you have right now will one day build into a hope that is all but realized. Well, it will be realized. And as it's realized, all of your dreams will come true, like it said. Joy and gladness. But the path to the eternal land is through the wasteland. That's their second point, the dry desert wasteland. The cross is before the resurrection. That is the truth that you should live by in everything that you do. The seed is always buried and dies before life bursts up out of the grave. You must leave the comforts of your home in this safe space and travel out through the wasteland to your home that's beyond this home. 
True joy is on the other side of struggle. True comfort is on the other side of your fear. The grass is not greener on the other side. On the other side of the fence is a desert wasteland. And you must pass through it. But in the distance, in the horizon, there is your home that's beyond the home where there is green grass like you have never seen before. And those who have tasted glimmers of that green grass, they've seen it. You know there's something different about them. And the way that they got there was traveling through the desert. That's the only way there. So joy starts with opening up the door, jumping that fence, traveling out into the unknown to face whatever is there, to go to the land that he will show you when you get there. And the greatest tragedy is those who settle for this world, who are satisfied here. And hey, why not? The wilderness is unknown. It's scary, and you've seen what the world will bring at you, and it's dangerous, and it's nasty, and it's cruel. So why make it any worse? Just build a nice little home for you to live in now, and make it the best you can possibly make it. Or, no, be bold, dream bigger, and go out on this adventure. Dream bigger. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I am not talking about dreaming of being successful in this life. I'm talking about getting bigger than that. I'm not even talking about changing the world, though you might stumble upon that. What I'm talking about is aiming at heaven. I'm talking about dreaming and dreaming and dreaming until you find yourself dreaming of this distant coastland that you know is yours. Stir that memory up that God deposited in your heart. And don't stop stirring it until you're dreaming in desperation. I'm exhausted by these so-called motivational speakers that are working so hard to try to give you this successful life when all they're really doing is trying to teach you to dust, to take the dust of this earth that you are in and try to build a home in the dust. Go bigger. I'm not saying that that will not produce flourishing in your life if you don't follow some of the things that they tell you to do, but I'm talking about a greater flourishing. I'm talking about in desperation, you are pleading with God to do something bigger than just give you a good life. Because your good life will eventually turn to dust. So reach beyond, reach for paradise, and don't settle. And if you don't settle, you're going to find yourself bringing heaven to earth. Seek the joy of heaven, and you will bring goodness here. But if you fall short of heaven, you will always be part of the problem of this world. Motivational speakers are trying to get you to get a nice, comfortable, safe life. Maybe take a little bit of risk, but not too much. you got to control everything enough, manipulate everything enough, so that you can have a nice home here. And what the Bible's telling you is go out into the unknown where you have completely no control and you have nothing left to do but in desperation seek God. And that's the place where you find Him. In the wasteland. Like we read earlier, John the Baptist, he started preaching, not in the city, but in the wilderness. That was on purpose. Our verses say, 
Lord, restore the fortunes like streams in the Negeb. The Negeb is a desert waste. And every once in a while, it would rain. And when the rain would pour down upon the mountain and it would come, what you'd find is that there were these rivers that were dry. There were these big, huge ditches that looked nasty. And then all of a sudden, the water would come through and fill up these empty rivers, and they would be flowing. And then within days, the Negeb would be this beautiful, lush paradise. Ooh, the thunder and the desert waste. Motivational speakers are trying to get you to build a kingdom in the dust. And what this is saying is plead with God in prayer that he will send the streams, come down the mountain, filling up this desert waste so that there will be flourishing beauty. Don't settle. Leave this home. Don't, don't take lemons and make lemonade. Go bigger. Leave the lemonade stand. Go out into the wilderness to find the sweet nectars of paradise and then come back to that lemonade stand offering something far greater than lemonade. But what do you do when you set out for heaven? What you find is in the desert, tears come. This is our third point, tears in the desert. As you go out, in this dry and desert waste, you're going to be tempted to go back home. Because at home, at least you can make things the best that they could be. At least you could have a nice warm fire, or at least you could have some nice cool AC on a hot summer day. In other words, your desire for comfort, and, and by the way, we have a huge comfort problem here in our area. It's what we're chasing the most. And your desire for comfort might be robbing you from the greatest kingdom that ever has been known and ever will be known and the great comforts of that kingdom. But if you want that comfort, you got to make yourself uncomfortable for a bit. And you got to learn in the desert ways to rely on the comfort that can only come from the eternal king. So face your fears, leave your comforts behind, move out into the unknown and the land that God will show you and you will know when you're there. And as you set out, what you're going to find is you weren't ready for the journey. You know why? Because the only thing that prepares you for the journey is the journey itself. You can't get prepared for it. You just go out. You're going to be tempted to turn back. Don't turn back. Now, this is what I'm most excited about. Listen to these verses. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing seeds for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. And that means when you set out into the wasteland, chasing after the dream of all dreams, and you get out in that wasteland, and you enter into the sorrows of the wasteland, the pains of the wasteland, the struggle of the wasteland, it means that none of the tears that you shed will be wasted. In fact, what we find is that all of the tears that are shed is the very tool, the very object, the very like lifeblood that causes joy to spring up in your life and growth to spring up in your life and abundant life the way it's meant to be spring up in your life. That's the first meaning behind this. The second meaning is that as you go out into the wasteland, you have a job to do. You're gathering up, you're spreading seeds. And as you spread those seeds, the idea is you are gathering up friends. And you're fighting for your friends. 
You're making sacrifices for your friends as you're planting these seeds. And then you return to your eternal home with a new set of friends in paradise. And those friends are going to be thanking you along the way for what you've done for them. So let's go back to the first one. Your tears on this earth will not be wasted. And what this means is you've got to aim at heaven. You've got to aim at the impossible. And you've got to keep fighting for it. And you've got to look in the distant horizon and keep searching for heaven. And you've got to long, more, long for more. Now, here's the deal. You're in the desert waste. Some of you have just become Christians recently. And you are wondering what in the world has happened because you thought when you said yes to being a Christian that it meant an easier life. Well, it turns out, actually, it's a harder life because now you've just entered into the wasteland. Because here's what's happened. Your eyes are now open. Before, you had your head buried in the sand because you couldn't stand to look at it. Now your eyes have been opened and you've dreamed of something greater and now you see what you have to walk through and it's breaking your heart. People are hurting you. The world is hurting people that you love. There's sickness, there's danger, there's wars. And it makes you weep. But those weep, that weeping is not wasted. It is the very thing that will give you joy, somehow, some way. It's the very thing that will give you life, somehow, some way. That's the promise of these verses. Your tears in the winter will be what awakens the eternal spring in your heart. The cross is before the resurrection. Your struggle is accompanied with faith that brings growth and joy. Small deaths are part of what brings new life. And you know what that means. It means you have to completely change your mindset about walking through this life. Because what you're trying to do is avoid Avoid pain, avoid struggle, avoid suffering. I'm not saying you run into it like you're looking for it. What I'm saying when it comes, your mindset needs to be, this is the sorrow that comes before joy. This is a small death that comes before life. This is the struggle that brings growth. It's a completely new mindset. And there's a very popular thing to fall into, which is a victim mindset very easy to fall into the victim mindset because the world is mean and it is angry and you are a victim. But you don't have to remain a victim. Your identity is not in being a victim. Your identity is being a child of God. Who God has promised you that when life throws difficulties at you and you shed those tears, joy is coming. Laughter is on its way. And it's coming running down the mountain towards you like that streams that are flowing through the Negev. Joy is after you. Laughter is after you. Life is after you. And it always happens when you're shedding those tears. That's the first meaning. The second meaning, back to your friends. Aiming for heaven means that not only will life throw difficulties at you, but you voluntarily sacrifice for the people in your life. Christianity is built upon a grand sacrifice. So there's a pattern here. There's a mindset change where instead of avoiding sacrifice and trying to get from any, everybody any life that they have that you could steal from them, now you are offering them life. 
That means you're fighting for your friends. That means you're fighting for your family. That means you're looking at the role that God has given you and you're taking responsibility for it. And you're becoming what you're meant to become in that role. It means you're becoming a responsible person for your friends. You're reliable. You, t- you, you tell them you're going to do something and you do it because you're trying to make their life a bit easier. Because we're all in this desert waste. And there needs to be people, heroes, who step up, rise up, and fight for their friends. Because the world is not going to do it for them. The world is not going to fight for your family. You must. But you do it gladly because you know that the sacrifice will cause you to shed tears. And those tears will bring joy in your life growth in your life, but joy in your friend's life, joy in your family's life, growth in your life, growth in your family's life, growth in your friend's life. Because you're fighting the good fight. You know, to be a Christian, to love, it means to fight for people. You take, you take your stand right beside them, and you say, I'm with you. Whatever you're going through, let's fight through it together. And if people aren't doing that for you, you do it. Let it start with you. What are you waiting for? You're a Christian. Christ has already stood at your side. He's already gone before you. So just fight for your friends. So now the question is, what will keep you going through the winter? Through the dry, desert, cold wasteland? Fourth point, what keeps you going? It's your dreams of the future. You read the Bible. You see what it's promised you. Don't let go of that vision. Hold it close to your heart and don't let it go. And keep scouring the Bible till you see everything that has been promised to you. And you keep watching it and you begin to see it and have it even your now, even your today. And when the world says, you look foolish for this big hope, you just dream bigger. Because one day, you will have cried your last tear. One day you have felt the last bit of pain you will ever feel. One day the struggle will be over. And when that happens, all of your dreams are coming true. But you've got to look at the distant future. You've got to look upon the horizon of what is to come. The world that is to come. And then it starts inhabiting the present. So you remember your future. You remember your home that is beyond this home. You remember that beyond the dust is home. That home is beyond the grave. That home is beyond fear. You remember that your mourning will one day turn to dancing. You remember that sorrow will turn to laughter. That pain is like a seed that is buried in this dusty earth, but God will not let that be the last word. Pain is not the last word, but joy and laughter is the last word. And one day all of your crying will be replaced with the songs of heaven. How do you know it, though? Because when you're in the pain, it's really hard to think about anything else but the pain. When you're in the sorrow, it's really hard to think about anything else but the sorrow. So how do you know it's true? You have to look at the pattern that's already been set in place. Fifth point, the tears of the Father. So the Father has planted a seed, the Son. And His Son was the seed that was buried out in the desert waste. And the father saw what the son must do. And he wept, cried for his son. And the tears that fell to the desert waste 
awakened the eternal spring as he rose from that dusty grave. And that pattern, by faith, when you take hold of that, that pattern begins to repeat itself in your life in every day and in every action that you do. That means by faith, your tears will never be wasted. That means by faith, you are sowing spiritually what's happening to you in the earth. And as you do that, your tears are sown into the earth and they bring up joy. Every tear, every tear that you shed will one day increase the future laughter that you have. That's the promise. Every sacrifice that you make will begin to grow an eternal flower. And you do that enough, you've created a garden. So seek the joy of heaven, sacrifice for your family, sacrifice for your friends, and you will have found that at the end of your life you have built this beautiful garden because you fought for your friends and you sought joy relentlessly. Not here, but you've risked, you've taken the adventure out to go find your home that's beyond the home. Let's pray. Father, we are your children, and we know that just as you shed tears over your son, that you are shedding tears over us. And just as your son wept because he left you, he also weeps with us as we weep. And let us remember that weeping is what begins the joy. Weeping is what begins the future laughter. Sorrow is not the last word, but it is the beginning, but it is not the end. And let us see that there in the sorrow you have gone to the depths of it, so we then can become bold and set out in the wilderness because that's where you are and that's where we find you. Help us take the risk. Help us be courageous. Help us leave so we can find you. Our great home, beyond home. In Jesus' name, amen.